I find myself in a room with other Batman. They seem to come in all different varieties. Tall, jacked, skinny, and some guy who's doing a dance. And I, hey, hey, I'm Batman. No, I'm Batman. I'm Batman. Okay, he won't stop dancing. Uh, I I am also Batman. Shut up, George Clooney. No one believes you're Batman. Get out of here. All right. So what's the deal? Well, I come from a universe that's very grounded and dark. What about you? I come from a universe that is not as grounded, but is close to as dark. And what about you? I come from a... I come from a world that heavily relies on spy movie tropes. Oh, okay. So what do we think is going on here? Well, judging by the chaos and the... That guy just won't stop dancing. I ignore him. Look, I think we're experiencing a crisis on infinite Earths. A crisis on infinite Earths, you say? I don't know what that is. Well, of course you don't. Your universe is probably too grounded. What about you? My universe does believe in the multiverse. I feel, I feel like we could be doing that Spider-Man meme, but with, with Batman. What's a meme? I'm a meme! Okay, that guy just won't stop dancing. Okay, so what are we thinking here? Why is this happening? The only reason that I can think of is that we are about to experience a reboot. Oh, another reboot? Reboots are inevitable. As actors grow old and die... Reboots will become inevitable. Why can't we just replace the actors? Also, why don't we dance anymore? Okay, okay. That I don't know what's going on. Were we like that at one point? Yeah, we we apparently we were like apparently we were like that at some point. I mean, it's still better than being George Clooney over there. I have feelings. Shut up, George Clooney. No one thinks you're Batman. You're right. Not even me. All right. So let's say we all team up. To do what exactly? To stop this effing reboot. Oh, so uh, none of you other guys can say fuck, huh? Holy shit, he can say fuck. When did you... Oh, I just said it. Oh, the reboot must be gritty as hell. Yeah, yeah, it must be. All right. Let's get in our Batmobiles. Uh, my Batmobile has two seats. That is strangely useful in this in this period. Do we have to dance to your Batmobile? You're not really fighting crime if you're not doing the Batusi. Oh, okay, everybody. I guess we have to dance to his car. It does have two seats, though. I can see that. Na 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 na. Welcome to the show. Hello and welcome back to Ruben Cut. I definitely need to take a break from all the nonsense in the world, so now I'm going to complain about something that doesn't matter. It's probably only more important to me.
Recently, I... Actually, you know, let's start this way. I am a gigantic DC comic books fan. Been reading DC comics for many years. But not just comics, but also books on the history of comics. And let me tell you, I friggin' love comic books. Now, <clears throat> being a huge fan of DC, it, uh, it can get pretty exhausting. Because the thing is, is that DC movies are frequently good in spite of things. Not necessarily because of things. You see, the thing about comic book movies nowadays is that the worst part of every Marvel movie is that it's made by Disney. And the worst part of every DC movie is that they were made by Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers, who finally got totally bought out and uh, by another company that has been scrubbing and cleaning house of Warner Brothers pretty, pretty ruthlessly for, uh, for a good minute now. Whew. Now, there's a lot of history to get into for this type of thing. Marvel basically successfully jump-started a shared universe of superheroes. Something that Warner Brothers should have been able to do from the very beginning because Warner Brothers, unlike Marvel, uh, didn't have its licensing rights just thrown all over the place for years. Every hell... Warner Brothers owns the rights to the first three Blade movies because of this. Because those movies are made by, uh... Oh, fuck, what are they called? New Line Cinema. And New Line got bought by Warner Brothers. So a couple Marvel movies actually belong to Warner Brothers. And Warner Brothers actually distributed... Movies like, uh... Ghost Rider in in parts of Africa. So, shit is wonky with the rights when it comes to a lot of Marvel characters. So, DC should, should have been in the perfect position to just jump up there and start making their fucking shared DC universe right out of the gate. There were no there was nothing standing in the way of this except the Warner Brothers has a consistent history of fucking nonsense when it comes to superhero movies. Warner Brothers has for a long period of time considered superheroes basically a basically a something to sell action figures for essentially. And this has resulted in a history of very bad artistic decisions. In fact, the amount of artistically promising and good superhero stories and media that have been killed specifically because of action figures is fucking 
absurd. You know why there's no you know why there's only four seasons of the show Static Shock? Because companies didn't want to make action didn't think there was a market to make action figures of black superheroes, and so the the show got canned because they couldn't make action figures for it. You know why Teen Titans only lasted? I'm sorry. Why Young Justice only lasted? Only lasted for two seasons on Cartoon Network before it went to HBO Max because it didn't sell enough action figures. And do you know why Tim Burton didn't get to make a third fucking Batman movie? Because the dark, because Batman Returns, uh, was was so dark and uh, BDSMy that it freaked out parents groups, and Warner Brothers realized they couldn't get away with selling action figures for it. Never mind the fact that Alien and Predator have been selling action figures to kids for years, and and. Like, it's, it's, like I used to go into KB Toys all the time as a kid, and I loved going to KB Toys. Cause KB Toys consistently had fucking Alien and Predator action figures. Consistently, it was weird. There are even ads for Alien action figures. This movie's rated R. What happened? What happened there in the nineties? What was that about? But the point is. And this will be important in a moment. Um, Warner Bros. didn't even want to make Richard Donner's Superman. They didn't understand how it would work. And after it made money, they immediately started to interfere with Richard Donner's vision for Superman because they thought it needed to be funnier. Which is interesting because Richard Donner was, al was already not taking it 100% seriously. I mean, to be fair, if you compare Superman 1 to Superman 2, or even the Richard Donner cut of Superman 2, even though there are still cartoonish, there's still a lot of cartoonish elements to it, 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 it is clear that Richard Donner took Superman a lot more serious than Richard Lester, who replaced him. After Warner Brothers fired Richard Donner. <sighs> These types of mistakes would go on and on, with an unusual amount of DC movies being made where someone would eventually come out and be like, hey, I just want to let you all know, that's not the movie we fucking shot. This is something that has occurred from such incredible disasters as Jonah Hex, a movie of ridiculous production where literally they brought... They wanted to bring on the guys who did Crank to direct that movie. They, the guys from Crank wrote a treatment for the film. And the studio used them writing a treatment for the film as an excuse to put their names on the movie. Even though they never agreed to direct it, someone else directed it. And then that director was replaced by someone else who rewrote over 60 pages of Jonah Hex and then also did their best to pretend like they directed like the guys who did Crank. There's so many problems that I just described to you in the production of one film. 
Josh Brolin has even described a his version of the film, which he tried to get made, which was a more typical, ser more serious cowboy movie. <sighs> and then you have stuff like Green Lantern, where cinematographers and screenwriter both said that the movie they worked on was not that movie. What exactly was different between those versions of the movie? Hard to say. But we also have to assume, since Jeff Johns was involved with the Green Lantern movie, that he's probably whoever did the rewrites that the screenwriter was unaware of. Because that's normal. Because that's, that's Jeff Johns' M.O. I will say that, honestly, compared to some disaster superhero movies, Green Lantern is honestly not the worst. It's janky as hell. And there's character development from the extended edition that should have been in the theatrical cut. Even though that would not have saved the third act of the theatrical cut, which has some janky CGI and uh, rid some ridiculousness. <sighs> but anyway. You see, Green Lantern, though, itself, was meant to start the first DC cinematic universe to compete with Marvel. In fact, you can kind of see this when you watch the movie. It's clearly trying to be like a Marvel action comedy adventure. And it kind of follows the Marvel formula all the way through. Maybe the rewrites are why that's like that. The whole experience ended up putting the director, who formerly directed Goldeneye, off of doing superhero movies altogether. However, when this attempt at being like Marvel failed at the box office, actually, when combined with when you the fact that Green Lantern had a $200 million budget, not including advertising, and only grossed about, checks notes, 200 million worldwide, it was a catastrophic disaster for the film. Especially since it probably had to make somewhere in the ballpark of about 500 million for the studio to break even on it. But once this attempt at, at being like Marvel failed, the studio went back to the drawing board and said, hey, what, what has worked in the past? Well, you know, Christopher Nolan's movies made a billion dollars, and we're not smart enough to know why. But maybe we should get him on board. So, of course, they tried to get Christopher Nolan on board, but he wasn't. Into, he didn't think he was the right guy to do the whole comic book universe thing. So Christopher Nolan handed, essentially elected, elected Zack Snyder to direct someone that Christopher Nolan felt was the perfect director to make more to make superhero cinema. And the writers of The Dark Knight, Jonathan Nolan, Christopher Nolan's brother, who would later go on to make Westworld. And of course, one of the most, one of the most uh, highly credited, although questionably inconsistent, uh, um, oh shit, I'm forgetting his name. Uh, David Goyer, a man who is known for writing some of the best and worst superhero media ever made, 
highlights including things like the sandman and the dark knight trilogy as well as man of steel but also including things like uh ghost rider spirits of vengeance and the nick fury tv movie which i don't know if you've you've seen it but uh, it's it's uh it's got some questionable lines he also though jump-started marvel back into the world by you know writing writing three blade movies and even directing one of them although admittedly the worst one so the dc universe started off with actually a pretty high pedigree of superhero cred although in fairness not led by anyone who even remotely resembles the type of filmmakers that make marvel movies Zack snyder had a plan and that plan simply put was to tell his stories and work with other directors to help them tell their stories in more of a collaborative jazz type approach to creating a shared universe that the studio proceeded to make lots of demands on that Zack Snyder and his writers attempted to meet those ridiculous demands until eventually while making Justice League later Zack Snyder's Justice League those demands became fucking ridiculous but we're not here to talk about that today I just need to tell you about all that to talk about what I'm actually talking about today, which is that Variety recently came out with a report that had some alarming claims about what newly elected presidents of DC film studio, DC studios are going to be doing. Those people are of course, James Gunn and Peter Safran. These guys have been a, basically put in the place of being the Kevin Feige's for the next four years of the DC Universe. And uh, if the report from Variety is true, we're looking at potentially a major reboot. Now, to be fair, there are some things in the Variety report that are unclear. The report says that Patty Jenkins is out. That Patty Jenkins will no longer be making a Wonder Woman movie. The idea... And some people have speculated that this means there will be no Wonder Woman 3 movie whatsoever. This is slightly unlikely, as the Wonder Woman was listed as one of the three pillars of the DC Universe by David Zaslav, the head of of Warner Brothers Discovery. So there there will almost definitely be some Wonder Woman type movie in the future, but it probably won't be Patty Jenkins. And if Patty Jenkins and Jeff Johns hadn't made Wonder Woman 84, which is a controversial film that I would probably dislike if it hadn't hit me so hard in the feels. did not do well and did not endear patty jenkins to large numbers of fans who thought that uh you know they'd ruined it but uh wonder 184 is going to be important for the discussion in a minute because what i'm here to talk to you about is why rebooting this dc universe is a high risk questionable choice and by that i mean a 
full reboot is a highly questionable choice. Because the thing you have to understand is that reboots don't succeed often. And when reboots re do succeed, there are a couple key factors to it. And those are not factors that are going to be going in necessarily Warner Brothers' favor as we move forward. The problem is, is that all reboots, all reboots, will be met with some amount of backlash, regardless of if the reboot is successful. Think about it. Think about this. How many people have you heard prior to the release of Spider-Man No Way Home arguing incessantly about who is the best Spider-Man? And there's a reason for that. It's because all three of the Spider-Mans are actually pretty good Spider-Mans. But, you know, for different reasons. Each of them seeming to capture disparate different aspects of Spider-Man's character. And the same can be said of their Spider-Man movies. Andrew Garfield is my favorite Spider-Man. Why? Because frankly, Sam Raimi and Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man, while good, never hit me personally as a Spider-Man fan. I always felt like there was just something off about Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. Like, he just doesn't do anything smart. And if he wasn't... And it's a good thing that he has this whole being a superhero thing going on for him because his incel vibes are off the fucking charts. But... <clears throat> where was I? The point is, is that everyone... This is a concept that I have talked about before when it comes to storytelling, which is the infinite Jesus principle. What is infinite Jesus principle? Well, essentially, if you took a church full of Christians, they're all going to be in there. And they're all going to have, there's going to be a spectrum of how they picture Jesus. And this could go anything from the furthest end of the Jesus was a, a, a gay commie hippie to all the way on to Jesus is coming back with an AK-47, y'all. And these people might even exist in the same goddamn church. Well, maybe not those two people specifically, but people somewhere within the range of the infinite Jesus spectrum could, will share the same space. There's no way that everyone in that church has the exact same picture of Jesus in their head some people are are picturing a black jesus some are picturing an aramaic jesus and some people are out here picturing aryan jesus it's not right it's so not right <laughs> but that's besides the point that i'm trying to use this to illustrate the fact of the matter is is that no adaptation of any superhero or fictional character is ever going to grasp every single aspect of a character and their universe and stories that can be told especially with characters like superheroes who batman is closing in on a hundred years of non-stop publishing no really 
that's a lot of fucking content to adapt from. Making it even more possible for the variance of different pictures and viewings of characters like Batman and Spider-Man to be multiplied. But what this means in terms of adaptation is that different versions and different approaches to different characters are going to grab, on, grab their own fans. And typically, typically a person is most likely to feel this way for the version of Batman or Spider-Man they first ever encountered. This is why so many people like Michael Keaton's Batman, even though he is insane. Like, just a psychopath. Or, and still cling to him, even though he's, he's not a very comic book accurate version of Batman. And people love Jack Nicholson's Joker, who, don't get me wrong, is great. But has an origin story that doesn't make sense. And also, you know what? No. No, I'm pro a short, fat Joker. You know what? We've seen, it's almost like revenge for all the... For all the tall, skinny penguins of the world. What the fuck is that about? I'm looking at you, Gotham. And that Telltale's Batman game. What is up with media making short, fat characters into tall, skinny dudes? I'm also looking at you, Netflix Punisher, Microchip. That's the, that's the character's name for anyone not familiar with Punisher. Also, New 52's Amanda Waller shakes head in disapproval. Anyway, so, moving along. The point is, <clears throat> these characters are all going to have massively different interpretations. And as fan bases latch on to versions, <sighs> you're going to have... Every version's gonna have its own fan. Its own fans. <clears throat> so now we stand at this precipice. And the thing that's really going against DC, which also unfortunately might be why this some of this stuff could be true, or why they might be considering a full reboot of the DC cinematic universe, because DC's fan base has kind of been at civil war for a while now. You see, I personally love the DC movies. I, I really do. I think they're great. And I would be more than happy to sit down with anyone and tell them why I love those movies. In fact, I might even do a watch DC movies along with Ruben type thing where I record a commentary track for, for them explaining why I think they are, in fact, fucking awesome. You might not understand it, but maybe I could explain it to you. And then even if you still don't think they're awesome, you'll at least be like, now I understand someone who does. But anyways, moving along. So, this is a problem. The DC fandom has basically been broken up. In, there are basically two... Well, there's almost like three factions of it. True DC fans who like Zack Snyder's vision but also are open to other visions for DC characters and properties 
and don't blatant and don't just blanketly accuse DC of trying to be like more like Marvel. Side note, they haven't really released any movies yet that are a ton like Marvel. Believe it or not, DC movies actually have fairly consistently used the same types of themes and tropes throughout, keeping a sort of a cohesive, uh, almost philosophy throughout the series, which I won't get in, which I won't get into right now. Well, I'll say a little bit about it. Parents are very important in the DC universe, like extremely important. Um, Almost all superheroes are shown to have some level of influence from their parents, whether that's from losing their parents or whatever type of bond they shared with their parents. These themes are put out throughout the DC universe, even in the later movies, including stuff like uh, Shazam, where it's we, where we, it's all about the fact that Billy Batson was abandoned by his mother as a child. Sorry, spoilers for Shazam. And the movie allows this to be heavy, even though Shazam is largely comical. It still allows this emotional thing to be heavy, and that's... I appreciate that. Even... Even the Suicide Squad movies have elements of dis viewing how being a parent is, affects people. <sighs> Since they both feature criminals who are parents. And even Peacemaker has a... Even the show Peacemaker. A lot of stuff about parents. The other thing that's interesting is that the DC movies have a bigger focus on man versus God. Which is very classical in approach. But is possibly one of the more unpopular elements of it in today's more modern society. But the other thing that I like about the DC universe that is specifically juxtaposed to the marvel universe is that the marvel universe is very pro military industrial complex it's very very pro military industrial complex like if you actually go through the movies and look at the subtext for the marvel universe it's pretty much yeah imperialism you know it's, it's good shit that's like even when they're being anti-imperialist like in in black in Black Panther, um, the implication is still pretty, uh, you know, imperialist. In fact, one criticism that could be made of Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, is that even though it does have anti-imperialist messaging in it, it never quite goes all the way with it. Unlike Black Adam, which is just basically Black Adam killing western colonizers almost all the way through and also fighting against the western hegemony of, of american fascist superheroes but moving right along black what i'm saying is black adam didn't pull any punches black panther did black panther's still more artistic though that's worth saying <clears throat> anyways so the rumors are pretty out there the rumors are also that henry cavill is might not be coming back after all which i really hope that's not true because if that's if that's true then i stand here and point my finger at all the snyder bot people who 
boycotted that movie because it wasn't enough of Zack Snyder, even though the film was trying so hard to bring back that style and also reference those movies and also bring back Henry Cavill. But no, it was a compromise, so we couldn't get behind it and make executives think that, oh, no, the Snyder fan base is worth money. They can't measure how many of you didn't go to a movie, but they can measure how many of you did. Idiots. Oh, wait, I never finished saying the three groups of uh, DC fans. Uh, so you got your people who are in the middle. You got your hardcore Snyder fans who go off to this weird thing where they're like, No compromise ever! All Snyder! All Snyder! Ah, making memes that I don't understand or nonsense! Ah, oh, fuck. Sorry, I'm getting really... Sorry, I've been on a lot of DC message boards lately and I'm getting real fucking sick of the racist memes. Okay? Uh, these weren't all on Snyder boards, by the way. One of these was general. And... Just, just okay. The worst one I saw, the worst one I saw was a Riddler one. Uh, was was a like it's Riddler and it's like riddle me this Batman and let's see if I can remember it. It's fucking racist. Hear me. It, it, don't worry, I'm not gonna say any slurs or anything. But I will tell you. No, that's not what this episode's about. But it was basically it was just Riddler dog whistling and, that black people are criminals. That was the meme. Uh. When I called it out, some guy was like, No, I thought I thought the answer to the riddle was drug addicts. Ha <laughs> ha, you must be the real racist. No, dude, I, I've just, I know what a white supremacist dog whistle looks like. And I know that flipping it on the person is also a white supremacist move to try and obscure the white supremacism. <sighs> that was actually on the general DC message board. I flagged that shit. Oh my god. However, more recently, someone made a Kanye meme where the implication, based on the idea that it was controversial to say you like Batfleck. Uh, and, and basically, it was basically it was Alex it was Alex Jones saying like what are considered Warner Brothers shill commentary, and then Kanye going, "I like Batfleck," and I had to point out that I was like, "Dude, why would you compare Ben Affleck to Hitler?" We like Ben Affleck. This meme is trash. And they got butthurt and they didn't understand why their meme was bad. Ugh, fucking idiots. I'm sorry. I derailed. I'm sorry. So you got your middle, you got your centrists, your Snyder, your Snyder hardcores. I mean, obviously there's a spectrum here of people in between there. And then at the other end, you got the people who have to who totally reject Zack Snyder's uh, vision and just viciously deranged against it and have many of who at the far end of those people are people who have come up with all types of weird conspiracy theories and bad faith interpretations of Zack Snyder's work as being uh, I don't know uh, weirdly fascistic uh, which by the way there's no real evidence besides the fact that Zack Snyder once directed the movie 300 that there's even that he is even remotely fascistic <sighs> The, the fact that someone agreed to direct a big-budget Hollywood film based on a comic book by an at-the-time respected comic book writer, that's circumstantial evidence at best. I'm sorry. Fascists don't normally wear NPR shirts to set. Where was I? 
Right. So you got your three types. So you got your three. You got your spectrum there of far ends and in the middles on the DC fans, and they're very divided and they're very upset. And we're getting an idea of how much the people in the middle are worth as a box office, and it's not enough to sustain a franchise is the problem. If you can't pull in those other sides, it, it, the fan base is heavily divided, is what I'm saying. It's, it's a problem. Now, the thing about this is also is that... At least the Snyder fans are more consistent. We know which movies are their favorites. But if you come over to this other side of the spectrum, where it's people who are like, who are like, oh no, the Zack Snyder vision is dumb. Those people's favorite DC movies could be literally any of them that aren't Zack Snyder, because no one on this side agrees about which DC movies are good at all. Well, that's not entirely true. Everyone likes Wonder Woman. If you don't like the first Wonder Woman, it's because you're dead inside garbage dead inside if you don't like the first wonder woman you're allowed to not like the second wonder woman but if you don't like the first wonder woman you have you don't know wonder woman and you don't know cinema get the fuck out of here you gross pervert <clears throat> so i guess everyone does like that one but my point is is that if you're on that other if you're on the end that doesn't like Zack snyder then you've uttered the phrase this movie is save dc and you have not uttered it by this about the same movie that someone else has said has saved DC. And it's just ridiculous. But anyways, where was I? The point is it's very divided. It's heavily divided fan base. Lots of different opinions. Very volatile, very passionate people. Which might be why DC is considering a full-on reboot now the problem of course is the full-on reboot's not gonna satisfy everyone either first of all the full-on reboot the full-on reboot is definitely gonna lose some people because and here's the problem now we're gonna get to it the problem with reboots so there are two factors that i personally measure into Will a reboot be successful? And what are those factors? Well, the factors are how long has it been since the previous version of the film had a movie? The further you are out, the more the easier it is to justify to an audience rebooting the franchise. If all those actors are old and gross or dead, then it's easier to be like, hey, we, we, we can't just go back to the way it was. And fans are more ready to accept that. Mainly because what choice do they have? But the other aspect of how successful a reboot is, is how well did the last film in the series do before it rebooted? And this is a problem because it can't just fail oh no 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 you see because the failure will represent to the producers why it needs to be rebooted but if they don't understand why it failed or how badly it failed then this may play into a less successful rebooting because a major problem that dc had was essentially they 
only listened to the people who told them that they weren't doing well when they made Man of Steel and Batman v Superman. They only listened to the people who were being negative and thereby ignored the fact that they were actually developing their own small, passionate fan base. And so when they tried to course correct, they fucking pissed off all the passionate fans they had already earned because those were the, fa those were the people they weren't listening to. Why? Because they thought Batman v Superman was going to make a billion dollars. But that, let me tell you right now, it was always highly unlikely that Batman v Superman was going to make a billion dollars. In fact, the fact that it almost made $900 million is good for them. But the reason it was never going to make a billion dollars is because they forgot to factor in the backlash. You see, a new Batman, Ben Affleck, was way... <laughs> way too close to the last Batman who was liked. You see, that's the big deal. It was very easy, and let me be clear here, Batman Begins, when they officially started the reboot, as influential and well-loved as that movie is now, was not the biggest at the box office of the DC Universe at all. In fact, it more than quadrupled the box office with the sequels each like the dark knight made over quadruple what batman begins made and then the same thing for the dark knight rises as well which made more than the dark knight why because even that movie had to deal with the fact that there were people in the world who were like nah, i already have the batman movies i like i don't need a new batman they'll never be as good as michael keaton's batman it's way better than Michael Keaton's Batman. Sorry, Keaton. I love you, but suck it. Seriously, Michael Keaton's a great actor. That's besides the point. <clears throat> the reason, however, that generally speaking, the public zeitgeist was ready for Batman Begins as opposed to other reboots, and it should be noted that Batman Begins basically jump-started a series of reboots in the early 2000s <clears throat> but the reason people were ready for batman begins was specifically because batman and robin didn't just tank at the box office it tanked at life that even though somehow that movie has gained its fans for a long time batman fin fans were pissed like angry at that movie i know i was angry as a child it was the first time as a kid as a, i was a teenager what am i saying uh wait how old was yeah no i would have been just a teenager uh 1997 uh 12 or 13 is what i'm saying but the point is, is i saw that movie and it was the first time where i ever felt ripped off that i had paid for something and i saw it on dollar movie night yes we had dollar movie nights in the 90s. I'm not fucking kidding you. Inflation's a motherfucker. Now we're lucky. Now we're lucky we get five or six dollar movie night. Oh, that hurts to say. But Batman and Ro but the success of Batman begins is at least partially due to the fact 
by how much Batman and Robin failed. It tanked it. It destroyed it. It destroyed Batman's credibility. It was hated. So when Batman Begins comes back around and starts taking Batman seriously, although people have overstated how serious those movies are, they actually have a lot of humor in them. People were ready for that. People were ready to wash that goddamn George Clooney abomination away. But when Batman v Superman came out, everybody still loved Christian Bale. In fact, most people who were drawn to Ben Affleck were largely, was a lot of people were people who, who thought that Christian Bale was lacking in certain departments. Specifically, bizarrely, how muscular he was. I think this is a ridiculous complaint. I mean, I understand that Christian Bale is is not the biggest Batman, but like for his for his height, Christian Bale packed on a sh crazy amount of muscle for his height. He wasn't actually not muscular. In fact, when he first showed up for Batman Begins, he was he weighed more than Ben Affleck did as Batman, and they had to make him cut down. To fit into the bat suit. But that's besides the point. The point is, is that anytime you reboot something, there will be a backlash, mainly, this is the big one it seems to be, against the new actor. Maybe against the new director, and for people who actually use their brains, probably the new direction and themes of the film. Now, it's debatable whether or not this DC, this new DC universe will be um, what you, what you might call it, a full reboot or a partial reboot. Now, if they're smart, they're going to try and keep things that worked from the last one and move them into the new one. That would be smart because then they'll at least be able to hold on to some of their fans. Now, that being said, partial reboots are also tricky. And in fact, the best way to describe this is to point to Thor Ragnarok and Woman, Wonder Woman 84. Now, with Thor Ragnarok, the reason for its success, as compared to Wonder Woman 84, was that the Thor franchise had reached a point where people were like, you know what, I don't think this is working. We need to try it differently. Now, to be fair, Thor Ragnarok lost some fans, like me, who did like what they were doing previously. But that's besides the point. The point is, is that Thor wasn't hitting as hard as people thought that it could. So, they were, were willing to take a very bold new direction with Thor. And it hit. Because people were ready for something new from Thor. Now, people got kind of sick of it with Love and Thunder, even though, what for me, my experience was the opposite, which was that I hated it in Ragnarok and was used to it by Thor, Love and Thunder. Go figure. <clears throat> However, Wonder Woman 84 kind of tried to do the same thing and tried to be very different from Wonder the first Wonder Woman movie, only problem being... No one asked Wonder Woman to be different. You see, the first Wonder Woman movie was completely beloved. In fact, hardly criticized. And most of the criticism, of course, were to the changes at the end of the movie uh, where Jeff Johns had rewritten the final battle. 
and that people were unhappy with. So when Wonder Woman 1984 became an homage to Richard Donner's Superman movies, and weirdly enough, not even the good Richard, not well, not really the Richard Donner Superman movies, but just the 80s Superman movies in general, only one of actually, no, actually the only good Superman movie from the stars Christopher Reeves came out in 1978. There are no good 80s Superman movies. There, I said it. And actually, Superman 3, better than 2. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't say it was good. Anyways. <clears throat> it's just coherent in tone. Where was I? Yes. All right. <sighs> Where was I? So, yeah, so no one asked for that from Wonder Woman. So only people like me who are artistically flexible and interested in seeing new approaches to things. Uh, and by that I mean, you know, we're high as hell. Uh, when they saw it, really went for it. Because it's homage to 80s movies, even with the inclusion of semi-problematic tropes. And questionable Middle Eastern politics. Yeah, Wonder Woman 84 is a mixed bag, okay? Are you happy to hear that? It is. But the point is, is that it took a big change. It took a big change. It made a big, big risk that did not pay off and alienated people. Because it changed when no one asked it to. And that doesn't always work. So, what will this reboot be? Well, we don't know. We don't know who's in. We don't know who's out. There's a lot of rumors. One of them is that the new Aquaman movie with the last Aquaman movie starring Jason Moa as DC might be looking to recast him as Lobo. But who knows if any of this is true. In fact... It has to be pointed out that James Gunn actually has made a statement on this report. Because it is worth knowing that the report is based on supposed leaks. Therefore, not yet verified by Warner Brothers. And James Gunn has been pretty clear. According to James Gunn... Oh, <laughs> clear is not the right way to put it. James Gunn's statement is as follows. Some of the stuff in the report is true. Some of the stuff in the, tr in the report is half true. And some of the stuff in the report is not true at all. Great. It's not really clear, because we don't know which stuff it is. But we at least know it, his statement has made it clear enough that some of that stuff is not true. It is also worth noting that these leaks are re supposedly from a report that Peter Safran and James Gunn have, yet, have not yet shown to David Zaslav. And in fact, David Zasloff, of course, as the head of Warner Brothers Discovery, will have the final say on what the studio does moving forward. Even if this is the end of the old DC universe, and it could be, I'm hoping that the future holds good things. Why? Because I'm a DC fan. And blind optimism is the only thing that gets me out of bed in the morning.
Oh, well, that, that and, uh, that and, uh, that and the fact that I need to feed my cat. Uh, but yeah, no, it's hard being a DC fan. It really is. So here I, I'll just wait to see what happens. I'm really hoping that they're going to use Henry Cavill. Really, really hope that Henry Cavill comes back as Superman. And uh, I guess we'll see what happens. I don't know how to feel. I have mixed feelings on James Gunn being the head of DC Universe. On the one hand, he is certainly the type of producer that is going to try and make sure that uh, directors have some type of creative control and freedom, which is a thing that uh, Snyder fans are supposed to believe in. Stares angrily at hardcore Snyder fans at the end of the spectrum. It is also absurd that we as Snyder fans didn't welcome the Batgirl people into our collective. Which we should have because it would have been philosophically consistent instead of what some of you are, which is just dogmatically obsessed with a vision you don't, that you, it's not even your vision. Like, all you have is some storyboards that Zack Snyder made with Jim Lee, okay? And Zack Snyder himself has said that if he came back, the vision would be different. <sighs> but I guess it feels good to be dogmatic or some shit. I don't know. I have, like I said, I have mixed feelings about James Gunn. He is, after all, kind of an annoying edgelord sometimes. And uh, as a comic book fan, it does not excite me that someone like James Gunn, a man known for not giving an iota of two shits about comic book accuracy, uh, uh, that, uh, that never fills one with confidence. But it's hard for me to argue with the fact that I did enjoy, I have enjoyed his comic book movies and shows. And that I do think that he will at the very least, like I said, be on board with directors being creative and having some freedom and creative control. But I guess we'll find out. I guess we'll find out. All right, well, like I said, I needed to take a break from serious stuff like Kanye, uh, which was, uh, which is exhausting, but I'm going to be Yes, I know I have another podcast coming up about Kanye uh, where I will be getting essentially uh, perspectives of the communities that Kanye is more directly affiliated with or affecting. Um, I'm what I ha I have said all I really I mean I'm sure I will ha say some things in whatever in these conversations I have in the future. But uh, my goal is to not center myself in the conversation because honestly well, I'll save that for then. 
But <clears throat> the point is, I will be getting back to that, although not in the same way that I have been covering it previously, because also I'm just getting tired of watching Kanye's interviews. <clears throat> but if you liked what I've done here or any of my other podcasts, please feel free to reach out to me with uh, constructive feedback or hate mail. Uh, you can reach me at rubenuncut at gmail.com. You can also leave a voicemail at the Anchor FM uh, for this uh, for this podcast. Uh, if you enjoy this podcast, please like, share, subscribe. Do whatever it is that your podcast distributor uh, has as a form of positive feedback to increase my show in the algorithm. All right. Thank you for listening. I hope you have a superheroic day and or evening. God bless. The calamity's almost over. We're the last Batman left. Someone's gonna have to sacrifice himself to save the world. I volunteer as spy Batman. I won't make another movie without Christopher Nolan. I offer to sacrifice myself to save the new universe. No. Forget that. Jack Batman is going. What? Yeah, no, just fuck Warner Brothers. I'm going. You can't stop me. What if we both sacrifice ourselves? After all, only one Batman can survive. It's up to you now, emo Batman. Can can we talk about this emo Batman label? I didn't I didn't really agree to that. I mean, you're pretty emo. Guys, we're all pretty fucking emo. Oh, we can all say fuck now. Look, it doesn't matter. You're the youngest. We're a couple old dudes. We're gonna sacrifice our lives so that you can save the new universe, emo Batman. Once again, can we go with a different name? I just, I'm breaking the Batman voice. I'm breaking the Batman voice because I'm not, I'm not doing, I'm not doing it as emo Batman. You can call me edgy noir Batman. I mean, we're all kind of edgy and noir. I am more edgy and noir. Just go save the universe, you assholes. All right. You ready, Jack Batman? I am ready. Let's go, spy Batman. And so they sacrificed their career possibilities to save the reboot. Dun, 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 dun!